Welcome to the Living Godcast. Our prayer is that this message speaks to you, impacts you, and inspires you. Please enjoy today's message, and we invite you to contact us if you need prayer, appreciate this word, or would like more information on Church of the Living God. Be blessed today. This morning, I've got a word for you, and if you're ready to hear it, uh, get your Bibles out. We're going to be kind of all over the New Testament this morning, and uh, I, I apologize in advance for just preaching the Bible to you, but that's kind of all I've got, all I've got to pull from. I don't have any clever stories or cute analogies, but I've got the Word of God, and so we're actually going to be talking about the Word, and I've been preaching in the 9 a.m. Um, for the month of August, and, and now that's transitioned over, but... Uh, in, in that series that we were doing, we were doing a series called In His Word. And in, the part, uh, in my part of studying that out about the Word of God, God spoke to me a couple weeks ago and He said something. And you guys know I don't say that. I don't say that lightly. But as I was studying, God spoke and He said to me, I want to wrap my Word in flesh and blood again. I want, man, I want to wrap my Word in flesh and blood again. We know that. According to the Word of God, the, the written Word of God that we have here, we know that Jesus was that Word. Amen. John 1, 1 said that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so when we go back to the beginning, we see everything as it was, dark and chaotic and lifeless, but then God said. And in that moment when God said, God said, let there be light, and light came forth. And when God spoke, what came out of His mouth was an answer. It was an answer. It was not an, an observation. It was not a statement of the situation. Like that's what we do. We see something we say, oh, that looks bad. That's often the first reaction that we have. Oh, <laughs> oh no. That's our reaction. God saw it as it was and his response was light. He sees darkness and he speaks light. So what we see is that God in his very first interaction with creation, God spoke. Now, Jesus revealed to us in Matthew 12, 34, the second part of the verse, it says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Okay, I'm laying a foundation right now. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If this is true of mankind, it can be true of God. Okay? Understand, when you hear people talk, you're getting a glimpse into what's going on in here. Have you ever come into a conversation with someone and it's been very negative and down? And you walk away and you say, man, they are not okay. They're not okay. They don't sound good. They're, they're not saying the right things. They're depressed. They're beat down. How did you know? Did they necessarily say, man, I'm depressed. I'm in the worst shape ever. Not necessarily. Sometimes they say it without saying it. Amen? It's their words. Their words reveal what's happening in here. Now, when the Bible talks about your heart, it's talking about that middle part of you, the mind, the will, and the emotions, okay? It comes from the Hebrew word lev, and that word means that the middle part of man. It's not your brain, and it's not your beating heart in your chest, but it's that middle part of you where you think, you feel, and you want. So when God speaks out of the abundance of his heart, what he says is what he thinks, what he feels, and what he wants. Amen? So the Word of God, whether it's in the form of Jesus in the flesh, whether it's in the form of the written book that we have, 
that was written by over 40 different authors over a span of 1,500 years? Or whether it's prophetically through a, a man or a woman of God, or through a tongues and an interpretation. Whatever it is, when the Word of God comes forth, you can count on the fact that it is something that God thought about, that He felt, and that He wanted. If He says it, it stirred in Him before it came out. But if He says it, you know He means it. That gives new gravity to the Word of God. It gives new gravity to this book. To that thing that somebody told you that answered a prayer that you didn't know, you didn't tell anybody else about. Amen? Have we ever had those experiences where we pray to God in secret and somehow He rewards it openly? Amen? I've had those experiences where I went to Him and Him alone, and yet He spoke. He spoke, and when He spoke, the answer came. Because in His heart, He thought about me. He felt for me, and He wanted to give me an answer. Amen? So the Word of God is the abundance of God's heart. It's the fullness of His heart. Jesus reveals to us this truth that what flows out shows what's going on inside. It's true for mankind. It's true for our Maker. We have access to God's thoughts, His desires, and His feelings through the Word. Amen? This right here. These are the thoughts of God. Oh, sure, it's mixed in with the stories of men and women. But these are the thoughts of God in the human condition. This is, this is the lifetime, the existence of humanity intermingling with what God thinks about it and what God says about it. If God says it's not a good idea to sleep with a bunch of people, it's because he thought about it. Amen? If God says that it's a good idea to sow in faith that you may reap, then he thought about it. He felt it. He desired to share it. His word for you is from his heart. It's not something that just he just shot from the hip. Have you ever been someone who shot from the hip? Have you done that from time to time? Where you react instead of think? Amen? Well, they deserved it. They had it coming. Okay, they might have. But how well did that work out for you? Amen. See, God doesn't interact with us like that. Thank God. That's what makes him God. Amen. He could, and Lord knows he probably should sometimes, shouldn't he? Man, if I was God, I wouldn't be putting up with all this stuff. Right? I'm not being vain. I'm not trying to be vain. I'm not God by any means. Ask my wife. I'm not God. But we've all said that before, haven't we? If I were the Lord... And somebody said, strike me dead if you're real. You better believe it, buddy. Pow. Okay, you guys are better than me. Acting like you're better than me. Amen. No, it's true. It's true. We have access to God's thoughts, his feelings, and his desires. And, and a lot of times we leave it sitting somewhere, collecting dust. Or we ignore what the preacher says or what the Sunday school teacher says when they're sharing the Word of God with us because we don't like it, because what we want feels better than what God says. But if God thought about it enough to say it, it's for a reason. Amen? It's for a reason. I'm laying a foundation here. I want to talk about today when God's Word becomes flesh again. Again. Now, we know, again, from John chapter 1 that in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. But in, in verse 14 it says, 
that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. It became flesh and dwelt among us. And I am not by any means indicating that we are divine in our origin. I'm not saying that we are God and, and like Jesus was. Jesus was God from the beginning, okay? He was with God from the beginning. He was God. He thought it not robbery to be equal with God, the Bible says, okay? He's God. You're not. Never will be. Don't try to be, okay? But the Word was wrapped in flesh and sent into a dark world wrapped in flesh. What happens is when the Word enters into flesh, things become different because the Word of God is different than our environment. The thoughts and the feelings and the desires of God are different from yours. We think that because it makes us happy that it must be from God. I say we, I don't necessarily mean we, we, but people. People think. That if it makes me feel better, then it must be good. It must be allowed. It must be good for me. That's not always the case. Amen? You can feel good in a moment and bring destruction for a lifetime. Amen? To relationships or any other situation. So what I want to share to you today is, is just really three, three points that I have about the Word becoming flesh again. I believe it is God's intention that, that we be a church of people who encase the Word of God with our life. I believe that's what God is saying, that He wants you and I together, not just the preachers, but you guys. He wants us together to receive His Word into our being and then to carry it everywhere that He sends us. He wants us to carry it to work. He wants us to carry it home. He wants us to carry it to the movies. He wants us to carry it to the restaurant. Everywhere that we go, he wants us to be the carriers of the word because he wants to wrap his word in flesh and blood again. Amen. He sent Jesus on purpose, and Jesus changed the world. And we are now the sons and daughters of God. We have been brought in to the family through the work of our big brother Jesus. And because of that, now it's our turn to change the world. But we cannot change anything without the word of God in us. We can't do it. It doesn't matter how much we shout, how much we speak in tongues, right? We're Pentecostal. We love that stuff. We love the goosebumps. We love the stuff. That doesn't change anything because I can do this and walk out and be evil. I can be gifted and be mean. Amen? I need the Word of God in me. To balance out my giftedness and my big head sometimes. I need the Word of God in me. And I need it living through me everywhere that I go. You need the Word of God in you. In you. Not just something you do for an hour and a half on Sunday morning and an hour on Wednesdays when you feel like it. You need it in you. In you. Because the world around us needs to see people carrying the Word of God. We're going to go to Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. We're going to read through verse 17. God wants to wrap his word in flesh and blood again. I want to show you that we were made for the word to get in us. I want you to understand something, that when you said, Jesus, come into my heart, be the Lord of my life, forgive me of my sins, be my Lord, Master, Savior, and King. When you said that, 
in that instant, you have opened up a space in your life for God to deposit his word. Like you deposit a paycheck. Anybody deposit a paycheck? I love automatic deposit. That's great. I love the whole digital thing. You can scan checks now right from your phone and deposit. I think that's the coolest thing in the world because I hate going to the bank. I hate sitting in line. I hate talking through the microphone. I hate it all. Right? I could just sit at home and do it. It's great. Depositing for us is easier than ever. But when we get into God's family, it's easier than ever for him to deposit something in us because we've opened up a door, all right? Colossians 1.15, it says, he, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones, dominions, principalities, or powers, talking about government and authority. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. Now let's look at he. The subject here in this passage, these two, three verses, is talking about Jesus. John 1 tells us that Jesus is the word of God that became flesh. So if we read this verse, these verses again, and where it says he, we can, or him, we can insert the word. Verse 15, it says, the word is the image of the invisible God. The word is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Do you want to know what God looks like? Read his word. Read his word. What's he look like? Does it describe features? Sometimes you get to see things about God. But more than that, you get to see character traits. You get to see who he is. Deeper than just a face, you can change your face. Right? Face isn't all that important. You can paint it. You can do all kinds of stuff with it. It's who you are underneath the face. Right? What we get to see is the image of the invisible God through the Word. Verse 16, For by the Word all things were created that are in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones, dominions, principalities, or power. It was all made through the Word. God said, God said, God said, and then God saw. What God said came to be. When the Word of God gets in us, what we speak gets authority. And it can bring change, so long as we're speaking the Word of God. We cannot speak our opinions and bring the same impact as bringing the Word of God. We live in an opinionated culture. It's all about our right to say what we say or think. And we have that right, and we're fortunate to have that right. We can say the most off-the-wall crazy stuff we want to say, and nobody's going to show up at our door yet. Right? Thank God we live in a culture like that. But what it has done is it has taken away the significance of what we say. Amen? It's made words common. It's made opinions king instead of truth. And it's made truth relative instead of absolute. The word of God is true and it is absolute. For by the word, all things were created. The word of God in you will bring about life. In creation, if your life is full of destruction and chaos, you're not speaking the right stuff. You don't have the right thing in you, right? You've got things that bring death and destruction and chaos. You need the Word of God in you. Verse 17. No, I'm sorry. Let me finish verse 16. It says, all things were created through the Word and for the Word. Through Him and for Him. 
You were made for him. Well, what's my purpose? Your purpose is in him. You were made for him. Yeah, he, he did it. Through him, you were made. Yeah, mom and dad got together and all that. I understand that. But the process that made that happen, God did that. God made that. So we were made for him. We were made for the word. Before we were made for anything else, we were made for the word. Before you were made to be a husband, you were made for the word. Or a wife, you were made for the word. A mom and dad, made for the word. A jerk, made for the word. Nicest guy in the world, you were made for the world or for the word. Amen. Before you were ever to be abused or abandoned or rejected, you were made for the word. You weren't made for that junk. You were not made to be victimized. You were made for the word of God. Amen? The word of God. You weren't made to be beat down and confused. You were made to hold the word of God. And what is the word of God? The word of God is the thoughts, the desires, and the feelings of almighty God. He wants to put them in you. Surely you can find a better package than that. There's got to be something shinier and prettier than that. No offense. Talking about me too. Surely God could find something far more impressive to deposit his word into. And yet for some reason he decided to make you for the word. He wanted his heart to get into your heart. He wanted his thoughts to become your thoughts. You were made for his thoughts. You weren't made to think like a normal man or woman. You were made to think like God. That's why he revealed it. If he didn't want us to think that way, he wouldn't have told us. Husbands, have you ever heard the line? Well, you should know what you did. You should know what you did. To which we often say, I'm not a mind reader. To which they often say, well, you ought to know. There's no way to win that one. We've not had a lot of those discussions, but maybe once or twice. You ought to know. God doesn't say, you ought to know what I think about that. God doesn't say, you ought to know how I feel about who you pick to marry. God, God doesn't say, you ought to know how I feel about being generous or being kind. You ought to know. No, he told us how he, how he feels. He doesn't leave us out there dangling, hoping we figure it out, hoping we can ease the situation the right way. No, no, he says, here's what I think. Here's what I think about. I've given you my thoughts on this. Man, that makes life so much easier when you know what you ought to think. It makes the relationship that much better when you understand what's expected. Amen. We have the word. We were made for the word. I wasn't made to be beat down. I wasn't made to be judged, and I wasn't made to judge. I wasn't made to be the end-all, be-all. Thank God I'm not, I don't have to be the best at everything. Amen? I don't have to do all that. I simply have to be a carrier of the Word of God, the thoughts, the feelings, the heart of God in the earth. It just needs to go where I go. It's just got to get in me and go where I go. You were made for the Word. When the Word becomes flesh again in us, our purpose changes because we understand I'm here for that. 
I'm here for that. What am I here to do? People ask all the time, what's my purpose? What, why am I here? What's my part? You're here for that. You're here for the word. Carry that word with you. Everywhere that you go, God wants to put it in you and send it through you. Before we were made for anything else in this life, we were made for the word. Jesus did exactly what we're talking about. That's why he was so impactful. He's the one that walked around as the word made flesh, and he made a difference. And now it is our turn. God wants his word to become flesh again. You don't have to be divine to carry the word of God. You just have to be a, a place where he can deposit it. Amen? A place where he can put it. What does it look like when the word of God gets into our flesh? What's it, what's it mean? It sounds cool to say the, God wants his word to become flesh again. But what's that really look like? How do I know when the word is in my flesh? How do I know? James 1, 18. James chapter 1, verse 18, it says, Of his own will begot he us through the word of truth. Hold on. We got in to this whole thing because of the word. The word of truth came and said, hey, come on in. Jesus showed up and said, my father's building a house with lots of rooms, and he wants to bring in some more children into his house. That's what Jesus did. And he said, hey, if you'll follow me and accept what I've done, you can come on in. That's the gospel. That's the truth of it. Jesus came. He lived a life you could not live in a world that would destroy you, but it did not destroy him. Instead, he overcame this life. He overcame this world. He lived the whole thing without sin. I'm lucky to get through the week without sin. Sometimes the day without sin. Because people are people. I was going to use a different adjective. But people are people. It's hard. But what did Jesus do? What does it look like when that word gets in us? It looks like Jesus. It looks like him walking around helping people who need help. Calling things that need to be called down, he called them down. Listen, Jesus wasn't just peaceful and lovey all the time. I know our culture wants us to see Jesus as just this guy who's just hugging everybody. And he hugged lots of folks. But he flipped tables. He cracked a whip. He called people vipers. He didn't play. When the Word becomes flesh in us, we become something new. What does it look like? It looks like something new, something that's not existed in humanity except in Jesus. Of His own will, He begot us through the Word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of His creatures. When it says that He begot us, that's birthing language, which is especially poignant for me right now. Birthing language. We're a few months away from that, right? Nine months away. Essentially, eight months away. But we're a ways off. But birthing language has significance. He birthed us into his kingdom through his word. And the word says that if we, if we want to be in his kingdom, we've got to be born again. Amen? And his word is what rebirths us, makes us new. So when we heard the word, the gospel, we believed it. We were birthed into God's kingdom. Why? That we may be the kind of first fruits. That we may be the, the first of a new breed of humanity. A new kind of man. A new kind of woman. Where the old things have passed. 
and something new has come. That's what 2 Corinthians 5.17 says. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. The old has gone. Behold, all things have become new. All things have become new. Why? Because we're in Him. We're in His Word. We have been made to be new. We've been made to be a new kind of man and woman, a new kind of husband, wife, son and daughter, brother or sister. Amen. We're not meant to just be what everybody else is but shinier. We're not meant to just be better except in certain circumstances. We are, in fact, meant to be different, new. When people see us, they ought to be like, what's your deal? I don't mean like bad. We've, we've all known folks that you see them and you're like, what's that guy's deal? Like, I'm staying back. I don't want to know. No, it, it's like when you get something nice. You get something nice and you're out and about and somebody sees it and they're like, man, where did you get that? Have you ever had that happen? Where did you get that? Oh, I don't know. My spouse got it for me. I don't, it was a gift. I don't know. God has put something nice in us, something good in us. Yeah, it's true. It's real. It's powerful. It's strong sometimes. Sometimes it's peaceful, right? It's in us. But when people see it, they ought to see it and say, where'd you get that? How are you like that right now? Let me say it like this. Has anyone ever told you, man, I'd be an absolute wreck if I were you? How are you holding it together? Because I've got something in me that I was made to carry. Amen? I've got something in me that's bigger than me. It's not even my thoughts. It's not even my feelings. Man, if I were you, I'd feel this way about it. Well, you know what? Thankfully, it's not even me that's feeling that way. It's God's Word in me. Amen? It's that Word that stands up in us and says, you know what? You don't have to be what everybody else is. You get to be what I want you to be. What does God want us to be? He wants us to be something new. It says in verse 19, It says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. This is God's warning to us that we're going to have moments where we want to be quick to speak and prone to wrath. Is anybody else prone to wrath sometimes? We call it justice, don't we? Especially in our culture, what we see on the news every night, they're calling it justice. Right? It's not justice, it's wrath. Amen? What we do to people sometimes in retribution, that's not justice, it's wrath. Our wrath is not God's wrath. If I am quick to listen to the right thing, I'll be slow to do the wrong thing. Amen? The Word of God is the right thing. The Word of God in me is what I need to do. It's what I need to hear. It's how I need to live. It's how I need to operate. It's in me. It's his thoughts and his feelings and his desires in me, overriding my thoughts and my feelings and my desires. And if I listen to that first, then I will be slow to do the bad stuff. I'll be slow to speak instead of quick to post. Yeah, I'll leave that alone. All right. If I'm quick to listen to the word of God that he's putting in me, then I will be slow to speak when I want to be quick, when I want to be fast, when I, want to, when I just want to let them have it. Even preachers want to let people have it sometimes. Even preachers think, you know what, that guy deserves it. Here we go. Bring it on. Here we go. 
If I am quick to hear the word, I'll be slow to do the wrong things. Amen. Slow to speak. Slow to wrath. Because God's wrath is not my wrath. He must have known. He must have had some kind of idea that 2020 was coming. He must have had some kind of idea that things were going to be a little bit off kilter when he said, man, be slow to speak and slow to wrath. Be quick to hear. Hear who? Hear me. Hear God. Hear the word of God that's in me. Verse 20 says, for the wrath of man does not work the righteousness of God. We can have wrath and still be wrong. We can have justice and still be wrong. Amen? I don't need my wrath. I need His. His wrath is absolute. His wrath is righteous. That means He can punish my enemy and it come out the best for me. That's what that means. And, and I don't necessarily mean people because we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, right? We wrestle against principalities and powers. We wrestle against spiritual wickedness in high places. No, God wants to move in such a righteous way that he brings me justice, defeats my enemy, and somehow salvages a person out of it. That's what he wants to do. But that only happens through the Word of God. So we were made to carry the Word. It is our purpose. And now we see that when the Word becomes flesh again in us, it makes us new. It makes us different. Verse 21 It says, Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. When I ignore his word and am swift to speak or bring wrath, filthiness and and naughtiness follow. That sounds like a silly phrase, but it's it's just a term. It's a Greek phrase, and it just means the worst. Depravity. Bad things. Filthiness. You ever been filthy? I mean filthy, not dirty, filthy, where you feel it in places. Filthy, okay? Filthy, naughty, naughtiness. When I'm swift to speak and swift to bring wrath, filthiness comes. My wrath doesn't work the righteousness of God. Your wrath doesn't work the righteousness of God. So I've got to lay apart, lay aside all that stuff and receive with meekness the engrafted word. I was made to carry the word. You were made to carry the word. I've just got to receive it. You've got to receive it. It says the engrafted word. That word engrafted means implanted. Implanted. You don't accidentally implant something. You don't accidentally wake up one day and, i got a pacemaker. I mean, hopefully. If you do, you have a different problem. (laughs) You don't accidentally implant things. Amen. There's intentionality. There's procedure. There's things that that happen and have to happen for that to, to be successful. And yet this says, when we receive with meekness the implanted word, God has precisely put a word in you. Precisely put word in you that is able to save your soul. I don't just mean right now. For the duration. Save your soul. If you've prayed in the last few weeks and gotten saved, that's awesome. Welcome to the family. But if you want to hang on and be here 30, 40, 50 years later, you need the Word in you so that it will save you and keep you. It will save your soul, but it's got to be in you. When the Word gets implanted into me, I'm slow to speak and bring wrath. My soul is saved. I become part of God's kingdom. I become a doer. Verse 20, be ye doers of the Word and not hearers only, 
deceiving your own selves. I'm sure you've heard this, but do you know what the difference is between a doer and a hearer? The difference is, is that a doer is a performer. I don't mean a pretender. I don't mean an actor. I mean a performer. Have you ever seen a, a, a display of athleticism that just, like, left you in awe? You know, you see somebody do, like, 14 backflips in a row. You know, there's all these videos on Facebook and YouTube and all these things. You see these things, and you're like, whoa, that's impressive. Those people, man, they can perform. But then you have the hearers. The hearers are the ones who say, wow, that was cool. And they go do something else. In 2007, I, w- I went with my dad. We got to go to a U.K. football game, 2007. Notice how far back I'm going for the awesomeness. All right. I went to the game. This was a, this was a prominent game, LSU, right? It was LSU. Biggest win in my lifetime, maybe in his. Okay, triple overtime, triple overtime, man. We were on the 20-yard line. We were a few rows up. We were right where they stopped it, right where they stopped that last rush to beat the number one team in the country. Man, it was awesome. The second that guy got dropped, everybody's just like, ah! It was pandemonium. It was awesome. It was amazing. And everybody said the same thing. We won, we won. We, we won. We beat LSU. Guess what? We didn't beat anybody. Eleven guys on the field beat somebody. And the guys on the bench beat somebody. We just sat there and watched it. We were the hearers. Now, a lot of us hearers rushed the field. Tore down the goalpost, all that stuff. Right? Man, this is awesome. Look what we did. We didn't do anything. We didn't do anything. There's people in the Word of God or in the kingdom of God that do, and then there's people that hear. I don't want to be somebody who sits in the seat and just says, way to go, God. I don't want to be somebody that says, man, Pastor brought the Word today. Man, that was good. Way to go, God. Man, he read their mail. The prophet was in the place today. Man, awesome. And I walk out thinking I did something, and I didn't do anything. I don't want to be that person. I want to be a doer. I want to be a doer. I was made for the Word. You were made for the Word. When the Word gets in you, it makes you different. And it makes you different so that you can do it. Because normal people can't do what that book says. Normal people can't forgive their enemy when their enemy is legitimately terrible to them. Normal people cannot be kind to those who are hurtful and and mean. Normal people cannot love an enemy like they love themselves. I've got to get that word in me, and it's got to change me. And when it changes me, I become a doer. I become somebody who gets put in. Put me in, coach. I become somebody who gets to take the field. I don't get to sit in the stands anymore and cheer on pastor while he holds back the forces of darkness. Amen? No, I get into it. I change. And I begin to do the word. Last passage. 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. It says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, And our hands have handled 
of the word of life. This was written by John the Apostle, the only apostle to live into old age. He was writing it to his spiritual children near the end of his life. And he is encouraging them again. He is letting them know that what he saw and heard and touched, he didn't say it was the moving of the Holy Ghost. He didn't call it awakening. He didn't call it revival. He called it the Word. We got our Christian terms for it. We're looking for an awakening. We're looking for a revival, and we need those things. But what John communicated was, what he said that he touched and saw and heard was the Word. It was the Word. It wasn't the goosebumps. It wasn't the gifts. It was the Word. The Word is what left the mark on that man. The Word is what carried him into old age through persecution and torture. It was the Word. He didn't say, man, we had good church on a Sunday night. He said, I got the Word in my life. I saw what the Word can do. I heard what the Word can do. I touched what the Word can do. And it kept me. That word for word of life, word is something said. So again, the overflow of God's heart. Life means lifetime or the fullness of life. The word of life. The word of life is the word for life. The word of life is the word for life. Amen. It's what you need in you. If you get it in you, it makes you new. You get it in you. And it becomes tangible to everybody else. When the Word of God gets in you, people see it. They hear it. They touch it. What does it look like for the Word to get into somebody? It looks like God walking through life. It looks like Jesus living like you or I ought to live. It looks like something new and higher, living in this low, filthy world. That's what it looks like. Now, we've not all been there, amen? We've not all gotten there. We've had days, though, haven't we? We've had glimpses, haven't we, where the Word got in us and it changed us for a season. We've had moments where the Word of God got in us and we could not walk the same. We could not live the same anymore. God wants to wrap His Word in your flesh again. He wants to wrap it in this church again. We're in a church for Word. We're in a good church for that. And that's awesome. But the Word of God's got to get in you and go with you. You've got to carry it because you were made for it. You were made for it. There's things I wasn't made for. I can carry this thing around all day. Well, no, I can't all day. It's just plastic. It looks heavy, but I can't even do it. I can't pick it up. It just looks, it looks cool, right? But I wasn't made to carry this. Wasn't made to carry it. I can walk around, I can preach for a while with it. But when I go to go home, I'm going to have trouble going home with this because I wasn't made to carry this. And if I make it home alive somehow by carrying this and trying to drive a car, I'm going to have trouble eating my lunch because I wasn't made to carry this. Amen. I can have great friendships and I can go hang out with my friends, but I, if I bring this with me after a while, it's going to influence my ability to be a friend. Because I wasn't made to carry this. It's a silly example, but the fact remains. There are things that we were made for and things we were not made for. Amen? And I wasn't made for this. But I was made for the Word. I was made for the Word. 
You were made for the word. You're carrying divorce. You're carrying abandonment. You're carrying rejection. But you weren't made for those things. Amen? Those things got on you. Those things got in you. But they are not you. The word of God is made for you. And you were made for it. God wants you to carry it everywhere that you go. And it's not going to be hard and difficult all the time. There's sometimes where it's hard because sometimes we really want to do what it says not to do. But there's a whole lot of other times where that word steps in and those things fall. Those walls come down. Those relationships get fixed. Things become restored. It's not always unicorns and rainbows. But there's those moments where the word of God gets in and it makes something new. It gets in where it's supposed to. And it changes it. And then you walk different. Amen? We weren't made to carry all the stuff that we carry. But we were made for the Word, and many of us don't carry the Word. Amen? Stand up this morning. I'm done. Thank you for listening today to the Living Godcast. We trust and pray that you are blessed by today's Word. If you would like to contact us for prayer or for more information about Church of the Living God, please visit our Facebook page at WinCityCOLG or give us a call at 859-745-1865.